House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back, everyone, to the House of Run podcast, houseofrun at gmail.com. I'm Kevin. My co-host's name is Jason. And for, man, the first time in, I want to say, 20 years, Jason, I am extremely jealous of you at this moment. Oh. So when was the last time? State championships? I'm going to go back to league. League championships. (laughs) when When you got that Northwest League title. Uh, mm. But state as that well too. There was a lot of envy, you know, just that whole that whole season. Maybe even going into the spring. So maybe it's like nineteen and a half years. But now you got your first vaccine shot, and I might be even more jealous now. Yeah, we're talking like half hour ago. You know, Oof. got it done. Was uh, you know, waited in a little bit of a line, not not too bad. And then uh, I thought I was going to be on my way home, but you have to stay there for fifteen minutes to make mm-hmm. sure. You know, nothing bad happens. Nothing did, and uh, yeah, feeling feeling good. If you Pfizer? have a chance to do it, you should you should go do it. Pfizer, yeah, Moderna? yeah, Pfizer. Oh, you got the Pfizer. Pfizer. Oh, all right. It was not. There was no option. Um, I didn't really have yeah. a preference. I guess unless it was the Johnson and Johnson because that's a one shot. But uh, yeah, I was I was cool with whatever. So they opened it up to hospitality workers. So both the hmm. wife and I scheduled it for uh, for this morning. That's awesome. See, being the experiment the test case like the mayor suggested about a, a year ago finally had its its benefits i i ask people what which one they got as if i'm gonna mm-hmm. have an interesting response but usually i just repeat the name back oh, to them yeah. and go ah oh, interesting oh okay that's nice yeah everybody i have a lot of educators in my life and it feels like everybody's getting them now and then every day i look yeah. at the stats and it says 1.9 million, 2.1 million. And I just think about how many people that is. Yeah. And then, I, and then I think about how I'm not one of those people every single day, even though it's millions of people. And I'm still not one of them. I have serious vaccine FOMO right now. Yeah. Well, at least your baseball teams are going to allow full attendance on opening day. So that's a plus. Um, is that true? Uh, the Texas Rangers are doing 100% occupancy on, on opening day. I've so. always been a Cubs fan, personally. Yeah. Cubs, Dodgers, <laughs> you know, blue and white. The blue and whites. So I root for it. So okay. hopefully, you know, I, I don't know. I, what's, I mean, are you – I don't know where uh, track and field media falls. Is that phase two? Is that phase three? <laughs> did they go – did they somehow not make that a phase? I feel like that should be its own category, but – It is sit in your house and get on Zoom because that's <laughs> – what your life has been the last year. Yeah, we, there was no media at either of the NCAA championships these past uh, this past weekend, indoors and, and cross-country, which broke a streak yeah. for me. I had been at every single either indoor, outdoor, or cross championships for a couple of years. Well, the ones that had been held. So it felt, it felt incredibly strange. Yeah, I get I'm not high, high priority. I haven't quite gotten to the, hey, hang out at the pharmacy at 8.58 and see if someone – has extras mm. stage yet, but I might get that. I need a vaccine and I need uh, someone to do my taxes in Austin, Texas. So if you can help me with either of those two things, if you're an accountant or a pharmacist, I put myself on this list. I read this article about 
this person who is creating like a curated basically leftover list and you put your name on Mm. it and it's sorted by where you live and then they notify you if something in your area is available on short notice because my next door neighbor had that not that same notification service but found out through some sort of group on facebook because he's a work from home person like me around the same age as us he had to drive about an hour out of town to to get it, but he got his he got his first one. So nice. That's what I'm looking forward to with this random service, not service I signed up for, but just th- th- this uh, this website. They might steal my identity though. Like I thought about it. Now, granted, there was an article about it, so I felt like it was a little bit vetted, but it also felt weird just going to this random site and putting all this information in. But then I thought, worth it. Totally worth it. If I'm going to have my identity yeah. stolen, I want it while I'm trying to pr- pursue some. I feel Johnson invincible shot. right now. Like, I'm do you good. really? I'm going to go. I'm going to go clubbing tonight. Um, <laughs> no, I. Yeah, no, I feel a hundred percent fine. Like it's my my wife is terrified of needles. Like mm. legit. Like could not be more afraid. And um, so we're in line, and she is progressively freaking out more as we get as we get closer. But. You know, I, I asked the the guy who was given the shot. I was like, hey, my wife's really nervous. It's okay if I just stand here with her. He said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. And she she sat, like, the fact that she didn't squirm or move around, she was, uh, I mean, tears were coming coming down the eyes as she was trying to, to keep her composure. Uh, but she said, like, after she got it, she's like, oh, yeah, that was nothing. But, you know, it's just one of those mental blocks that certain people can't get past. Wow. See, I'm probably going to cry, but it's going to be tears of joy because by the time <laughs> yeah. by the time I get it, it will be Thanksgiving, and I'm going to try to be allowed to join my family. I didn't know that Johnny Football was not a not a needle. I mean, no one's a needle fan, I guess, but tears. Right. Not, so she was that nervous in line. Oh yeah, no, like legit. I mean, it's 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 a true like. You know, not just like, haha, I don't like it. Like it was, it was, you could see it in her eyes, but she was, uh, she, she, she did it like a champ. It was good. Did you even feel it? Because I've watched the PSA of Greg Popovich getting it about 400 times and he says, didn't even feel it. Yeah. I, I mean, it might as well have been like someone like tossing a pebble underhanded <laughs> and hitting you in the, like where, where you're just like, wait, did, did something hit me? And you like, look, and there's nothing there. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's not a pain thing with her. No, no, not at all. It's just it's it, you know it's, it's all you know in the head. I'll, I'll be interested to see. You know, we already got our second shot scheduled, so I'll be curious to see after seeing how easy one was if it'll still be the fact. I still think it'll you know be a little scary, but I think it'll be good. Maybe this will be the thing that rids her of her fear of needles and shots. Could be. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. So I, either way, though, she so like people. I mean, I, I don't think any of these people are listening to our show, but. There's a lot of them on, you know, terrible people on social media who are talking about not getting, not getting it or, it, you know, heaven forbid you're an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. My wife was terrified in tears and she still did it because she's wow. a good person and a smart person. So be like, be like Johnny Football. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Not the actual Johnny Football that we all knew from a few years ago, but my wife. <laughs> my Johnny the football. fake Johnny Football that I gave her a nickname that no one asked for. I heard that that, though, is not a good way to convince people who are hesitant about it. Don't call them, you know, you, you, you don't want to be negative. You want to be like, hey, you should do it. It was pain-free. Right. 
So that's what Jason meant to say there. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, if you're just like a true like anti-vaxxer, I don't If you're spreading you misinformation, help. yes. <laughs> yeah, I think you're beyond help. Yeah, don't don't go out there and, uh, well, I'm going to say it. Get your shots. Get your shots. Yeah, just if, get it. Because I really want it. Get things. We want to get things back to normal. We want to, you know, I want to go to a baseball game. That, that sounds fun. Want to go to the Olympic trials. Yeah, absolutely. Want to go to the NCAA championships. Want to, you want to see Bowerman Towerman in person. That's right? true. Uh, yeah, man, this conversation has just made me just just crave it even more. Just yeah, my son is spooked because he gets his shots every year and it always goes yeah. pretty bad. But what he associates it with now is he had to get a COVID test once, and they did the nasal swab on him, and it was just mm. it was hell for him. And now we're yeah, it's, it's not comfortable for sure. Yeah, he was in a lot of pain. And he's had to have nasal swabs before pre-pandemic for other tests. So he, he – Q-tip up the nose is – that's his least favorite series of words. I mean I don't think it's anybody's favorite or at least not in the top 25 series of words. But now – so now he thinks – because he's like, well, when am I going to get the shot? I'm like, oh, it's going to be a while for, for kids. But when you can get it, it's not going to hurt at all. But he thinks it's going to be the same thing basically as the test. So mm. – I'm having to, to sell him on it. But when he does get it and it feels like, what did you say, the underhand pebble toss? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best I could say. Like, I mean, and, and honestly, maybe that was the pressure of like them like putting it up to, you know, yeah. the actual syringe, not the actual needle itself. It, it could not have felt like less. It was, yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes when you get shots and you actually feel the stuff going in you, like it hurts and then you're feels like, a little weird. Yeah, and you're like sore and stuff the next day. But by and large... Because I'm not a big – yeah, I hate needles. I look away, all that. When they have to draw blood, I look away. But it never is as bad as you think it's going to be in your head. Even – For sure. I had a lot of dental work growing up and a lot of shots into my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and and even oof. even that – well, I'd probably be more scared about it now than I was then. But it, you, it was never – like if I would were watching myself have to do that stuff, I would have been terrified. Yeah. But, but when you're just sitting in the chair and then your mouth's open and then they numb you, you don't even really, you don't really think anything of it once you get once you get into it. Yeah, it's gonna be sore the next day. What's the last vaccine question? I promise, because most of the people I know have gotten Moderna and they've had the second shots kind of rough. What's that? What's the experience like in Pfizer? Do you know? Uh, you know, I, I've heard. You know, obviously some people no effects at all. I've heard a couple people say, "Yeah, I felt bad for half a day." Mm-hmm. At, you know the next day or so yeah there's a little bit of that i think most people have i've heard recommended saying hey the second shot try to try to schedule it where you don't have a whole bunch to do that day just mm-hmm. in case yeah yeah you know which yeah that's i think that's a reasonable request but uh yeah my next shot's april 6th so that should be Oof. good mark your calendars yeah she was katie was laid out for a good 18 hours or so on the second one and then she was all good yeah, my dad got his second. He said he felt felt really bad for the next morning for, you know, eight hours and then was good that by that night. Oh, it's gonna feel so good to feel that bad though. Yeah. It's gonna be amazing. I'm pumped, man. I'm you know, I'm excited. Yeah. Dude, were you tempted when you were getting the shot and Johnny Football was watching, you'd be like, Oh god, that gig god, my god, that hurt. <laughs> well, she went first. Oh, okay. She decided she didn't want to see so you know. Yeah. Even though she was watching everyone else in the entire 
convention center, get it. And I was trying to get her not to, but um, yeah, decided to have her go first. So she didn't have to like have the anticipation anymore. Here's an idea with the second one, double mask, but not two masks on your face, one over your eyes and then the other one over mm. your face and then she can't see. It's a good idea. Yeah. They'll just that. lead her throughout the whole thing. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably the right way to go. It'll be like a surprise for her at the end. Okay. Take two steps to your left. All right. Sit down. The underhand pebbles coming. As I mentioned, indoors, cross country was this weekend. That was the big show, Jason. We had two meets back to back. They pulled it off. They pulled it off, and some athletes, in fact, did both. Let's start first with the indoor champs, indoor championships. Cole Hawker. Let's start there. Cole (laughs) Hawker and a thing, Mo, are the two. two. If you want to go in the nitty-gritty on every event, Gordon and I, we did a live, uh, I guess, podcast? Yeah, live podcast. Watch party. I forgot what we called it. Uh, where we break stuff down as it as it happens, uh, you can check that out on Flowtrack. But it, the 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 two main people I want to start with were were Hawker and a thing Mo. Um, so let's start with Hawker at the top here. Gets the mile sophomore from Oregon gets the mile three k double, and they were only one hour apart because of the condensed schedule because of the restrictions yeah. with the pandemic. Three fifty three in the mile, and then seven forty six to outkick his teammate Cooper Tier who is a collegiate record holder in the mile to win the 3000. So this year Hawker runs a 350 mile and goes to number 2 all time, then wins the mile at the NCAA championship and then runs 746 in the in the 3k. And that kick, Jason. Oof. The, the close was pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, the the times are plenty good on their own. But the way he did it was was really kind of blew me away. I mean, he, you know, they were both like close races for the most part, and then Hawker just the way he accelerates and and goes by. It was just it, it looked so easy, and you know, like for the mile, like he goes through, uh, you know, I like guess six laps, uh, in in like three flat, and then closes in fifty three, and it was just the gap he put on it. I was just I was watching it. <clears throat> just like while in bed. And then Johnny even said like, Oh my God, <laughs> like why, what, what happened? Like, um, this vaccine's making me go crazy. Yeah. Oh, wait, she hadn't had it yet. Never mind. <laughs> she hadn't had it yet. Yeah. She's just was inspired though. Probably by Cole Hawker. That's what she was. She was so brave. So yeah, just the way he closed in both. And yeah. And then in the three K, you know, coming off the mile. Yeah. It didn't look like he had enough time to do it. Like he made his move with like, I don't know, 60 meters to go or whatever it was. Yeah. And just like, it, it's crazy how fast he accelerates. And that's going to be, I mean, a major, major factor. Cause I mean, these were, you know, pretty honest times, but also to be able to close like that off yeah. that it is something where it's like, man, what like he's, he's, he should be able to compete in, in most races. So we got this email from Brian emailer, formerly from rally in Pennsylvania, but now from Boulder. Drink. He says, I don't care if it's only indoors, and we shouldn't take these performances all that seriously because we see plenty of people run well indoors and flame out by June. Cole Hawker is making the Olympic team. He's winning the damn trials. Then he's making the finals of the games. <sighs> I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Explain. Uh, so you have the men's 15. Who Who is the favorite in the men's 15? Is it Matt Centrowitz? I don't know. I, I think by default it is, right? 
So you say it's Centro. If and you, if, if Centro you pose gets- that question, sorry, if you pose that question as who would I be the least surprised if they won? Yeah. If that is what is that a definition for a favorite? I don't even know. <laughs> but it would be Matt Centrowitz. I'd be the least surprised if he won. Yeah. And then there's no one else who's really kind of put their, you know, put their name out there except for maybe Cole Hawker. Um who who you'd like feel like, oh yeah, like they're they're gonna do it. And and you know, Hawker's got the the college season and sometimes that works against and he's just crazy young and things get tactical. All all those reasons are, yeah. are fair to to question, you know, a college sophomore winning the uh, the Olympic trials. Like that's mm-hmm. that is fair. Um but I don't outside of just a, a collapse, I don't see how he doesn't make the team. Maybe he doesn't end up winning the trials, but like, man, how does he not get one of those three spots? It's it's not one of the deep, deep teams that people are trying to make here. Mm-hmm. It's fairly open, and Centro's one guy who's just like, because of his history, you, you have to bet on him, but I don't know who else I feel great about above Hawker. You'd probably throw in you know, Angles, because he made the team last time. You'd yeah, and Angles is awesome, but... You'd throw in Blankenship, because he's... A veteran who's made teams before on the NCAA side he was in, he wasn't in this meet maybe he would have been the best competition for Hawker and here was Jared Nagus of Notre Dame but he focused on cross country Josh Thompson maybe it is the combination of this guy's getting red hot at the you know right in this ramp up to the Olympics with the fact that it is an event where there's some opening or at least some opportunity to to make the team Tw- closing in 25.8 in the mile in the last 200 is fast even if the wa- even if it was like a really ridiculously tactical race and the fact that he's doing it while running 353 is in an hour after another race well that that was the first one yeah the 3k though. oh yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah so he even he, he closed did the even same qu- in the 3k yeah he closed even quicker in the 3k yeah like that's with a, with the 255 and running 7 746 is a good time it's a it's a solid time. It's not as if he was, they were running you know, 820 pace and then he kicked off of that with a, a crazy close. What you're seeing, and I get Brian's disclaimer there in the beginning about, I don't care if it's indoors, we shouldn't take these performances seriously. I mean, that does have it, its limits. When Grant yeah. Holloway during indoors in 2019 won the 60 flat and then broke the broke the American record in the 60 hurdles, you should take note of that. That's not something you can just right. dismiss and say this doesn't mean anything. Now, was it a straight line for him from there to the World Championship gold medal? No, obviously not. He lost some races, didn't win USAs, went to Europe, got beat. But he also ran 1298 outdoors. It, it just it put him in a, okay, this is elite. This guy is going to be on the U.S. team. So there are performances that happen at, at indoors that you have to say, okay, this is this is beyond just okay. College kids get together and they run really fast. But yeah, just it. He has all the tools, and going into the who's going to do something more impressive between now and when the trials start? Because the trials start in essentially well less than three months. So let's just say ten weeks, because right. that last week might be pretty quiet. So in the next ten weeks. Who's going to have a – who's going to run equivalent to 350 in the mile and 
do something as impressive as Hawker did with that double and exhibit that same sort of closing speed. Maybe Centrowitz does do that. And again, you got to give it to Centro just because of his tradition or just because of his uh, yeah. reputation. But are we going to see three people do that? That would be that would be definitely noteworthy if three people all ran that quick and and did something as impressive as as Hawker did. So I'm with I'm with you and with I'm with Brian again. I'm not saying he's going to be the out and out winner of the trials, but I think right now he's the favorite with the obvious caveat that we could have a mucked up tactical race and things could go completely weird in the 1500. But I think if you were just ranking right now, I, he'd have to be in the top three. He would have to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's still very early. I get that. But yet, like you said, it's, yeah, someone else might run 350 in the mile. Like that's, that's not crazy. Um, totally possible. I just, the, the way he's closing and how just easy he made it, like I said, how easy that acceleration is. It, it is very centro in a way where it's just, or, or Mo or wherever, where it's like come around the final turn. And it's just like, okay, now I'm going to do it now. And there's no big like ramp up to it. It's just like mm. instant on and it's, and it's over. Um, yeah. And that's really, I mean, it can't be more valuable in any race than the 15. You said people might run in 350. So that's equivalent to, let's just say 333 for 1500. Only one yeah, person's run. Only only one person's run faster than that in the last two years. I'm looking at who has the standard right now. Centrowitz ran 3:32 in the Doha final. Engels ran a 3:34 in Brussels in 2019, and then Josh Thompson indoor indoor ran 3:34. Those are the only people with the standard. But those lad, latter two ran 3:34, which most people would say is a slower conversion to the to the 3:50 for the for the mile. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many people. Yeah, you know the the standards. No, yeah, and it's, I don't think there's going to be ten people who do it by right. any means. Not on the U.S. side, but like it's, you know, it's something we see if they're if the, you know, Bowerman Mile is really loaded, or mm-hmm. you know, you might get a couple guys who who are right around that time. Yeah, and that's fine. But if you finish, if you run three fifty and you finish sixth at at Bowerman Mile, that's not exactly the same thing. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And he proved that he could do it in a championship because he had that 350 where he was second to tier where he went number two all time college. But then you're thinking, okay, well, can you do this? And it's indoors. Yeah. Yeah. It's indoors. That tracks fast. I I don't know how this whole indoor outdoor stuff is so hard to figure out. I mean, one of them has a roof. What's the deal with that? Uh, But you could say, okay, he ran that in a perfectly set up time trial now doing a championship and he's like okay i'm gonna do the exact same thing i just did in a championship right and then i'm gonna do it again an hour later because that 350 that 353 was just a total power run i mean he dusted everybody it wasn't close at all yeah. it was the ncaa mile final i know it was missing yared Nagus, and there could have been some other people who opted for cross or had something happen but that was not close that was not close. The 3K was close, but the 3K should have been close because Cooper Tier is really good. Another guy who could make the Olympic team, and he was fresh. Um, let's just stick with the men. Actually, no. Let's jump over to, to we talked about the thing. Mo, interesting meet for her. I thought she was a complete lock for the 400, but indoor yep. 400s can be weird. She ended up losing to Kaylin Roberts of USC, who won the 2019 title. She didn't get the pole, and then just was kind of bounced out of it. But then she. Comes back at the end of the meet on Texas A&M's 4x4 and runs the fastest 
indoor four by four split in history, forty nine point four. So I, my question here, well, first, just what were your what were your thoughts on those two races, and then I, what I also want to know is, after this meet, is that a, are you more confident in Moose's chances for the trials, less confident, and what event do you think she should run? That's about six questions, so take them in reverse alphabetical order. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I'm was shocked that she didn't win the 400. Um, I mean, I know it's indoor four and it, she like made like at least three different bids to try to get, to mm-hmm. make the pass and yeah. get inside. And she just never, and, and credit to Roberts. She didn't let her, like she just kept holding it off. And I think that just since Moore basically ran in lane two for the whole race, she eventually just ran out of steam. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still shocked. I just, I mean, she's even more so when she runs 49, four and yeah. just, you know, gets, gets the baton behind Roberts yeah, and then just demolishes her. Like, was just like, I am not, this isn't going to happen again and I'm going to fly by you and it's not going to be close. And uh, like I said, Roberts is really good. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, it's not nothing against her, but Moo is, it's, hey, she should make an Olympic team at this point. And uh, I, I don't really necessarily worry about her from from losing that 400 you know the the outdoor four obviously not going to have that issue of of trying to get inside oh, there you're so sure are you <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure i feel pretty pretty strong about it uh so i don't think that's going to be a problem the four of the eight is interesting um i mean so the eight you have probably the best 800 meter runner in the world to compete with mm-hmm and the 400, she's the favorite? Question mark? Mm. Probably? I don't know. I'd need to see some outdoor 400s first. I don't know who the favorite is, but it might be one of those things where six people have it a 10% chance to win. Right, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like, oh, she's definitely going to you know definitely gonna win or anything like that. But it's like, I don't know... I don't know who, you know, is, there's no one with a strangle. There's no one you even feel great about giving a spot to. Um, like I said, I, I mean, I picked Allison Felix to do that, and I um, yeah. I think that's going to happen. Um, but in general, it's just, it's, you know, it's it, there could be a decent amount of college women in there um, because there's just no one who's been really established unless some hurdlers want to go over to the open four as well. Uh, <laughs> I feel pretty, I feel really good about her chances. <laughs> Yeah, I I still think the eight, for whatever reason. And she'll probably do both if the schedule permits. I know you and Michael Johnson were having a good conversation on Twitter about the track and field schedule. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, I guess, so if you go, hey, easier to make the 400 team, but your chances at a medal mm-hmm. are way lower in the 400. Yeah. So, you know, like the eight, in in you know th- throughout the world, it's like okay, you have Wilson, you have Gould, you have like a few people, but there's no one like there's there's not a you know Shawnee Miller. Assuming she, I don't know, I guess she's going to do the four. I, I would assume so. Um, mm-hmm. And Nasser, like sorry, like as as good as Moo is, she's not going to run forty nine zero or sub forty eight zero. Might take <laughs> like yeah to 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 actually you know, finish, finish top two. So I, I think you're probably from a, if, if, you know, she's and Hey, a medal is a, is a lot to ask. 
but it's not impossible for the 800. I don't think it is either. I'm looking at the trials schedule now. You'll be happy with this, Jason. You'll be happy with this. The 400 is in the first half of the meet, and then the 800 is in the second half of the meet. This what a is a novel in, concept. This is in. This is for Eugene. So she could do both. The reason the 400 would be intriguing allows you to eliminate some variables. You can, yeah, go out and not have to worry about. Other people bumping into you, running into you, you're literally just in your lane. And if she goes through and runs 49 high, she'll probably be good to go. Whereas yeah. in the 800, there's a lot of uncertainty. She is – she's wise beyond her years though. She's running a lot of high-profile meets already. And she's run with a lot of attention on her already. And I don't know how much that will impact her. I do like how we're getting more of this 400, 800 stuff going. That's a cool, that's a cool, that's a cool yeah. twist. I hope yeah, not something see. we saw a lot of. Yeah, yeah. I, I would guess that she's going to enter when, all, when, when it comes down to it. Because I think she's going to run both of them outdoors for her college team. So she'll be in shape for both of them. And then I don't know why you wouldn't try to make the team in both, especially – if you were, I I don't know, I don't know her personally, but wouldn't you want to make a four by four team for the Olympics? Wouldn't that be just so much fun? Like you could maybe get yeah, to be on. If you're an absolutely. American, if you're an American, a young American growing up, Allison Felix is probably one of your idols, someone you looked up to. Again, I don't want to assume, and she might be on the four. I think that's team. almost a safe bet for any like <laughs> yeah. any young woman like Allison. If you're if you're a sprinter to you know, yeah. 400, whatever you label that as. Yeah, Allison Felix is probably one of your heroes. But so wouldn't you want to be on a 4x4 team with her and maybe Dalila Muhammad and Sidney McLaughlin? Would that not be something that would interest you? I think it would. Uh, yeah, sign me up. And you just got to get top six. I'd be interested in that. You just got to get top six and in, the, in the 400. The Anner is not right. like that. No other event, well, except the 4x1. No other event is like that. And then with the mixed gender four by four are they doing that at the olympics i think they are God, i hope despite, not i mean despite. it's nothing against it it's just it just gets in the way let's be honest no there's everything against it uh okay yeah let's just I'm, I'm fine with that then they might even take 800 eight 400 meter runners is what i'm saying so the way to the way to make an olympic team is to be really good in the 400 is what i'm saying so you could yeah, do that and, i mean in the beginning of the meet and then have a couple days rest and come back and then then try the 800 and then you always scratch it if it doesn't work out for you but i think if you can run sub 50 in the in the open quarter which she did in the she did on a relay leg so a couple another couple months perhaps she can do it uh in an open quarter you're probably gonna enter that 400 that's what i'm saying yeah in in 2019 how many women from the u.s ran below 50 during the lead up so outside of a championship meet uh do you have the answer in front of you I do. I think it's zero, isn't it? It's zero. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so, I mean, basically two women, two American women ended up doing it at the world championships. Right. Jonathan. And finished and, fourth and fifth. Yeah. Jonathan and Francis. And Francis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you throw those two in, you got obviously uh, Kendall Ellis, you got Felix, you got Shakima Wembley, you got Lena Irby. There's a lot of names there. Again, I'm not saying this is this is a guarantee. I'm just saying though, if you can get into the final, 
you could literally be on an Olympic team. <laughs> yeah. As well, that's the thing the- is, and I think, I think she will run both in the trials. I think that's a smart move just because as good as she is, there's no guarantees. So why take the chance of yeah, yeah. doing that? I, I, I think she's good enough. Absolutely. Like if you told me, Hey, there move can have a go, go in fresh to either event. I would pick her top three in both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's absolutely that good, but yeah, I I think, I think she would make the 400 team barring just the college collapse that happens, um, without question and the 800, you know, a little deeper. Yeah. Um, you know, Wilson's got a spot. Rogers is tough. Um, Mm -hmm. that's a little bit. Yeah. It's a little open, but you also have like maybe four or five women Mm -hmm. ready to, uh, you know, trying to scoop up that last, and and uh, you know, so many women can run one fifty eight now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. I I agree that she'll take that opportunity. I the college collapse. It'll be interesting to see how that manifests itself because it's the week before, basically, the trial. Yeah, this year. so timing wise, should be good. Or it could be bad because if you just empty the tank, say she goes to NCAA's, they put her in the four, the eight, and the four by four. She would be pretty yeah. tired coming back off that. But no one can complain about rust. It will just be more along the line of fatigue. I would guess some people where they can would hold a little bit back. But if you're in the hunt for a, a team title, it makes it a bit complicated. Maybe their plan was do more fours during indoors and then do more 800s outdoors because that's where she's going to be. But again, with that level of talent, if you're able to give it a – have, if you're able to have above a 50% chance in an event at the Olympic trials, probably makes sense from a numbers perspective to just go for it and then yeah. worry about worry about how your body will respond after because you're right. You don't, you don't know. But big, big run from her. Other highlights. Here we go. Javon Harrison won the long jump and high jump, the jump double. He did that outdoors That's as well double. too. That's a good double. Well, he went far on these things too. He could make the Olympic team. Potentially in both. I have not looked at the schedule about the long jump, high jump, <laughs> double to see if it's possible. But he high jumped two thirty, which is pretty good. Back in twenty nineteen, two guys in the U.S. the two highest jumpers were two thirty, and then his his long jump would have been tops in the U.S. outdoors in in twenty nineteen as well too. Just keep an eye on him. Matt Bowling won the two hundred. Let's see. Oregon really dominated on the men's side. They got the sixty meter winner in Michael Williams, who's a freshman. Keep an eye on him. And then Charlie Hunter out of Australia for Oregon won the 800. Um, man. And then w- women's side of things. We don't have a collegiate record song, but we would, if we did have it, we would play it for Kemba Nelson and Abby Steiner in the sprints because they set the 60 and the 200 meter marks. Uh, too many fast times, Jason? Is this ruining incredibly indoor track for you? <laughs> It's, you know, I have so much respect for NCAA indoor track. It's hard to ruin it for me. Um, but there's, this is every year, right? There's always a bunch of records. I went to the, yeah, that's why I laugh about it. I went yeah. to the 2018 champs in College Station. And I could get some of this wrong, but I think most of these are right. So the men's 200, <clears throat> Eli Hall broke the collegiate and the American record in the 200. The 400, Michael Norman broke the world record which means mm-hmm. he also broke the American record, the collegiate record, the facility record, school record, 
and the headband record. Um, USC's 4x4. Four four. Remember, that was the year when they all ran the 4x4s four yeah. all went nuts. World but record, the, but not world record. Yeah, 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 yeah. On the women's side of things, the 200, I, Ashley Henderson broke the American record. Or sorry, the collegiate record. And then in the next heat, Gabby Thomas beat the time. I remember that happening. And I think a similar thing happened in the 400. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you have the stats on this. With Sydney and then Kendall Ellis. I think Sydney broke it mm. and then and then Kendall Ellis broke that mark. I'm not 100% sure on that. And I mean, I'm just assuming the women's 4x4 was fast as well too. I, although I don't know how fast. So yes, that was more records than, than this. This was... You know, Steiner uh, out of Kentucky ran a really good 200. And then Kemba Nelson, who's Jamaican, so maybe another a Jamaican star. She ran, she ran pretty quick. 7-0, what was it, 7-0-5? You don't see 7-0s um, as much as you used to. I don't really know about that statement. I just uh, – back in the day. Uh, yeah, 7-0-5. So, I mean, she beat 20 Terry by 9-100s. Uh, 20 Terry looked like she was going to get the – Record in the prelim. So that's a, that's a big run for, for Nelson. A longer distance type stuff. I just want to talk about this in the con- – because you can talk about <clears throat> the distance results in the context of cross country. Yeah. Because you had Wesley Kiptu of Iowa State wearing gloves indoors, which is awesome. <laughs> it takes – that takes like the hat to the whole new level. And the hat actually has some utility. Outdoors, I mean, with the hat. Or even even sunglasses indoors, like gloves indoors. That's like a whole yeah, other thing. That's a whole. It's a thing. weird move, but I respect it. Went out in four oh six. Also a weird move for the first mile, and then ends up running thirteen twenty three. And everyone said, everyone, I was saying maybe he should have chilled a little bit because he's gonna run cross country in a few days. And sure enough, in cross country, he went out fast again. He goes. Do you know what pace he was on? I don't know if you saw this, Jace. You know what pace he was on through one k. In cross I don't. country, I mean, I so, was I did watch it, but I don't, I don't know what pace he was on. So two thirty one, two thirty one for the first K. That's pretty fast. Yeah. So I mean, think he's, of it this he's way. a fast starter, I guess. That's uh. Think of it this way: three minutes book on K, Kip two. Three minutes a K would be fifteen minutes for right. uh, a five K and thirty minutes for a ten K. Uh, two thirty. Let's just do some math here. Is twelve thirty pace, <laughs> uh, rolling hills. But they, you know, he slowed down eventually. But uh, Connor Mance, well, started with him. This is a weird race. Starts with him, gets dropped by him, catches up to him along with a couple other guys. But then at two k, Connor Mance just or two k to go. Excuse me, Connor Mance just took off and ends up winning by twenty seconds over Adrian Wildchet. Kip two went back into. Third, do you think Kiptu regrets the the tactics? Do you think? I he... mean, probably. Uh, but man, I mean, Mance was really, really good. Yeah, and the way impressive. he was, the way he closed. Um, I mean, it would have been awesome. See, you know, hey, a fresh Kiptu and Mance. Who knows? Maybe it's it goes down to the wire, and it would have been that much mm-hmm. more interesting. But it was, yeah, this it was a good back and forth, and then it was just. Mance just completely opened it up and, I mean, like you said, won by over 20 seconds. Like, that was nuts. Mm. And that was all in the last, what, like... Oh, man. K, yeah. or, uh, you know, 1,200, something like that. Yeah, he opened it up. Like, it went from competitive to non-competitive pretty quick. And that last... 
that last K was absolutely brutal. Uh, we saw it even more uh, of a factor in the women's race. Some women lost over 100 spots in the final K. Oh. Uh, uh, there's, I've seen photos of literally people crawling up that hill. <clears throat> it's a tough course. I mean, I've been to that course before, but not since they reconfigured it. And they used to have like bark chips on it that they that they don't have anymore. But it is it is rolling hills, and that last stretch is all uphill. So people were going completely backwards there. Uh, on the team side of things, NAU got their title back. They went four, six, seven, nine, um, and then thirty eight. The team score was sixty when you take out the individuals, and they needed to be really good because Notre Dame, <laughs> Notre Dame's fifth scored twenty one, and finished twenty second over. Yeah. Uh, and finished 23rd. So they had five people in the top 23 overall, and they lost by 27 points. Their sixth was an All-American. Their sixth runner was wow. 36. Their sixth runner was 36, and they didn't win. That is that is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Any, I mean, it's really hard to overcome a 60 from any of you. Like, that's yeah. Yeah. pretty ridiculous. Well, three, four people in the top 10. Top yeah, nine. like what? What do you do with that? Yeah, but then when you when you zoom out and you put it in context, it's like, oh yeah, I bet at the beginning of the year Notre Dame was like, hey guys, we're gonna get five people in the top twenty three. They take it. They say, all right, we can we could probably work with that. So another dominating run for them too. Mance will be interesting to see. We're heading into this epic NCAA outdoor season now because everybody will be at the same championship. So Gordon's been talking this up, and we'll probably go into this more on on our flow track podcast if people want to tune in on wednesday or friday his dream race is this five thousand coming up outdoors because you could have hawker in there you could have mm. tier you could have the top th- four guys here probably right plus yeah. Graha- grahava was nau's fourth guy but he's run 13 16 so he's another dude and then edwin kerr got last year's cross-country champion for iowa state still has outdoor eligibility people forgot because of the covid cancellation so wesley kipped his teammate Edwin Kurgot could be in there as well, too. Uh, so that brace should be banana. I mean, the 10K will probably be bananas, too. But just something to watch. It was interesting to see this because this was this these two championships, Jace, were the first. I mean, people are going to tell me about the European indoor championships or whatever. But come on. These were the first, like, everybody going all the way to the well championships since we restarted the sport, basically. And I right. was, and it was under weird circumstances because yeah, the two meets back to back. But you could just look at okay, e- even just throw out the people who did both, and you look more at, okay, who are the, the sprinters and field event people? How they do, and the pure distance runners who ran cross country, and there definitely wasn't any rust, and there is some validity to the fact of hey, uninterrupted training, not racing a ton or racing on your own schedule in your own setup meets is going to yield really good performances at the championships. Right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I've we've seen some good performances even not in, you know, championship races like uh, just this year alone. Um yeah, I think it's going to be a year where we blame the shoes for a lot of great performances mm-hmm. that may not just be all the shoes. <laughs> oh, a year unlike any other women's side of things. I said that there was some carryover here for indoors to outdoors and the theme there was BYU Courtney Wayman wins the 3k they win the DMR and then with a completely different team 
they go and they win cross country with 96, 96 points here, uh, beating NC State. But this was, man, Jace, some of these drops in the last K. I was watching this thing live, right? Mm-hmm. And we had and we had Courtney Frericks on this live show. Uh, thanks to her for for coming on. It was awesome to have her. And uh, but I'm like looking at the. I'm looking at, you know, the splits, everything like that. I'm not actually like what, like I have the feet on, but I'm kind of jumping back and forth. And all of a sudden I look. So at 5K, at 5K, 1K to go, right? BYU is only up six over NC State. NC State's running great. Uh, they're getting good runs from Steelman, Camille, and Caitlin Tui's running really well. She's in 20th. And I'm like, oh my goodness. This is just, it's a two-team race. BYU, NC State. Uh, BYU barely lost last time. You know, can they do it? Can they pull this off after indoors? And, and I'm watching the. I, I look back. I watch the feed. Whitney Orton's lead, who was leading it for BYU, leading the entire race, favorite coming in, is now no longer leading, and it's Mercy Chalangat of Alabama. And I'm thinking, oh, did they switch to a different camera angle or something? And then Courtney mentions, no, no, no she dropped back. I said, okay, well, that's big time trouble, because if she's dropping back and they're only up by six, they're they're gonna have a tough time winning this thing. And then, uh, as it is with cross country, just a huge pile up at the finish. No one knows what's going on at all. It takes a yeah, little bit. Was... It takes a little bit for the results to come through. But I'm pretty sure I was like, okay, that like it showed in the final results before the team scores were totaled. It was like, wow, Orton lost 16 spots. She went all the way back to 17th. I was like, okay, well they only were up six and they lost 17 uh, points. Like they're going to be in trouble. Then the final scores click up, <laughs> and they won by 65 points. Yeah. And I was so confused. I thought there was an error in the scores. Well, come to find out, a lot of things happened. So much movement. Like I said, people are losing hundreds of places. But NC State's fourth runner at 5K ended up being their seventh runner. So they had to replace Jesus. their other two runners right, with, with the next person up. Their, um, the person who was their fourth runner lost 188 spots in the last kilometer going up that hill, but it wasn't just, but it wasn't just her. There was an Oregon state, uh, runner lost 149. There was a Colorado state runner lost 124, um, an NAU runner, 143. I mean, I saw some pictures. Some people just like collapsed essentially. Uh, one of BYU's runners. So BYU, another BYU runner lost 135 spots. This is in the last kilometer. Not since the beginning. The last kilometer. Uh, a New Mexico woman, uh, 124 spots. It, it just went on and on. So I was so confused because I thought, okay, here it is. I think BYU's going to lose narrowly. And then the thing pops up and they won by just this massive margin because NC State went 4, 7, 20, 51, 79. And Oof. at 5K... At 5K, their fourth runner uh, was four and five or 32-33. That's what they were scoring. And then they went 51-79. Whereas, yes, BYU lost something with Orton. Um, and then obviously their that other runner who lost like 130 spots or something, she moved out. But then they had other runners move up. It was real cross country, Jason. If there's no hay bales, it's not real cross country. Come on. Um, no, it was, yeah, no I was roof. watching that same thing. And I was just, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, the way, and the way the announcers were talking about it too, it seemed like 
they were talking about a few different BYU runners who had who had dropped back and were struggling, and they didn't seem to really know what happened to NC State. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of like, oh, I think NC State's going to win. I'm not sure. And yeah, just to you know to have your four or five double from 65 points to 130 points, that's probably not. And then you lose by 65 points. So that makes sense. See math. See, I couldn't. I can't do math that quickly, especially. Um, while I'm trying to do something else, but that that explains it. Yeah, so th- this is this is BYU's movement over the last kilometer. This is this is interesting here. So their number one, who, the woman who ended up being their number one runner, Anna Camp, moved up four spots, um, scored nine points. Orton, like I mentioned, dropped sixteen spots from first down to seventeenth. Their number three runner uh, only lost five spots, scored twenty seven. At this point, you're just like triage at this point, right? Um, but their fourth runner gained, moved up 13 spots and scored uh, 34. And then their fifth runner came in. Let's see. Where did she come in here? BYU. I think you skipped their second runner. Oh, I did? Yeah. So and a camp is... score. Uh, or no, that was her first. Their second. Uh, oh, Aubrey yeah. Frenthenway. Yeah. So she lost two. So camp, camp gained four. Their number two lost two. Orton lost sixteen. So they're a net loss, basically, is my my, my point here. Their next runner right. lost lost five, and then their fifth runner gained thirteen. So they, but they were net loss, and they still they still won going away. It was it was just bizarre. Um, also, this is something I noticed. So Stanford got third. Michigan State got fourth. Michigan State at one k, one k. I mean, read into 1K what you want. Was last, 31st, 851 points. They're running it Palo Verde style. I love it. I respect it. Yeah. They're running it Des Linden style, which makes sense because their coach is Des Linden's coach now. So there you go. Yeah, so they went from 31st at 1K. They moved up to, let's see, where were they? 23rd at 2K. Then they moved up to 15th at 3K. And then seventh at 4K. I mean, just gradual. This is like pre versus George Young. And then sixth at 5K. And then they gained uh, two more spots. So they ended they ended up with 212 points. It's just kind of funny to think. They started with 851 and ended up with 212. Crazy yeah, race. That's, yeah, that's fun. I mean, this is funny looking at like Alabama had 1330, 105, mm-hmm. 141. Depth matters. Yeah, yeah. They, Chalangat and Tynisma was were were awesome up front. Like Chalangat took over when, when you know past Orton and she did, well deserved champion. But certainly, yeah, so many surprises as there there always are in NCAA cross because there's not many races and you never know how people are gonna you know deal with the pressure. But the wind, it was a little warm, and then the course especially just made this one. Pretty, pretty wild. So that's it for the indoor cross-country extravaganza. Have to say, it was fun while it was happening, but I'm excited to spread them out again. Yeah, it's a little, it's a lot to, lot to deal with. But uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of great performances. Fun to watch. Email time? Absolutely. All right. HouseofRunningGmail.com is the email address. Here we go. Let's dive in. We got a lot of them. We got a lot of them. Let's go to 
Oh, wait. Oh, we got a lot of cycling emails. I want to save the cycling ones. I want to get a little bit of momentum here on some shorter ones. Uh, okay, here. Uh, Joe, formerly uh, 75 minutes north of New York City, now 90 miles north of New York City. Drink. Uh, Subject line, stepping over the line. Hey, fellas, I had a thought. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. I suppose we'll see. What if in a race 900 meters or longer, if a runner steps over the inside and, the, uh, and their penalty is running a turn in lane two? I took this idea from biathlon, where if they miss a shot, they have to take a penalty lap. Similar concept here. Chose distance race because sprint races would be too short and are running lanes anyway. B, sprinters are more likely to be DQ'd for a false start, so having a penalty that is more specific to distance runners will sort of even out. What do you think? What happens if they step on the inside on the last turn? You should get DQ'd. That's, that was my first thought as well. Um, but in general, so so you're you're going around the first, and you know you're most likely to step out on the turn, but it happens on straightaway sometimes. Um, let's say on the you know the the first lap, you step out. What do you think about having them having them just be like, hey, number six, and in this case, they all have numbers on their back. Um, what if they don't hear you? Hey, you're in lane two for this uh, for this stretch here, and you have officials, you know, with the flag and, and figuring it out. It would be really hard to coordinate, but mm-hmm. I would love to see it. Try to try to see it happen. What if the other runners don't want them out of the box? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, they're boxed in. That's a good point. I like my plexiglass idea. Yeah, with the leftover stuff post post pandemic from the dividers. Yeah, I'm vaccinated. I'm giving away all my plexiglass that I have around the house. I don't know why I had it around the house to begin with, but there you do. There you go. Okay. Let's go to, uh, David, former mediocre distance runner from Colorado Springs. You ever been to Colorado yeah. Springs, Jason? No, I think, uh, Denver is the only city I've been in, in, uh, in Colorado. You mentioned booing at track meets. The most famous I can think of was Carl Lewis at the 1984 Olympics. You can Google it obviously for the details, but basically a lot of people went there to see him break the world record in the long jump. He passed a number of jumps Oops, sorry. to save himself for later. I believe the 200 semis were two days later. Obviously, people thought winning four golds at the Olympics was pretty easy, and they wanted to see a world record, especially one as soft as Beeman's. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't blame him. It's like you set the expectation. You set the stage. I kind of want people to care enough to where <laughs> at track meets to where they're mad when, when people don't go for history. Yeah, it's – I mean, it's hilarious like that you know, four gold medals, like just absurd performance, you know, legendary in every aspect. But yeah, if you're, if you're a huge high jump fan, like, right, like, like that's your, or not high, long jump fan. And that's yep. like your thing. Right. And you just, oh, first right, of all, email the gonna, show he, if that's the, yeah. if that's, the <laughs> he's going to, he's going to break the world record. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to this Olympics. It's in the U S I'm excited. Yep. And then he passes a bunch of times. Like that's, it is a bummer. Like you understand it from the athlete's perspective, I get it, but I'm still allowed to go. Oh man, like that that sucks. Yeah, I'm not I'm not pro booing for the record. No, but I am. I am just noting for that. In order for people to boo, they have to care, which is good that they, right. especially in a, where we're at with the sport right now. And yeah, pass two two days later for the triple jump. Well, also. I mean, Carl Lewis had that famous thirty-foot foul, right? That that people still talk about that legendary jump that was that people think was actually thirty feet that that got right. called a foul. A lot of people think he could have got it, uh, and yeah, you want to see you want to see history. You don't want to just see okay, one jump did the bare minimum, and then and then move on. I guess it's 
this could happen in a lot of events. Pole vault. Hey, I'm not going to jump anymore because I don't have the, you know, I've already won the competition, essentially. No one's going to beat right. me. But the people are like, hey, I want to see you break the world record. Uh, or high jump, you're going to keep it going up or not. And at the Olympics, I think you have the expect people's expectation is, hey, put it all on the line. Do it. Yes. Go but for usually it. that person is not competing in four events. Four you- events. Four events does add a little bit to it for sure. Uh, let's go now to Kyle, formerly of South Dakota, now from Wisconsin. You asked what the ultra running fans are thinking about Deslin and going after the 50K world record. I'm a big fan of track and field and ultra running, and I can say that I think this is great. Just like you guys have said, I'd love to see more of the top elite marathon runners take on the ultra. I like your idea that it should be required of each of them before they can retire. (laughs) This is not unheard of for the U.S., Magda Boulay was second at the U.S. Marathon Trials in 2008 and ran at the Olympics. Her PR on the marathon is 226, and she went on to win Western States 100 mile in 2015. A few other observations. In most ultra-running circles, the 50K doesn't draw much attention. Whew. It's like mm. the 60, Jace. Too short, right? Yeah, it's the 60, exactly. Yeah. Otto Balden called it a starting contest, just like the 60. <laughs> the races at 50 miles and are longer what draw most of the attention, both at the elite level and the ultra-masses. Also, in the last few decades, the pendulum of ultra-focus has swung from mostly road or track races to almost exclusively trail runs and races. The roads are gaining more popularity in the last couple of years, not in small part to those at the top like Jim Walmsley taking on some road records and races. Interesting. Uh, so, Des is hitting the ultra scene at a good time. Road efforts are definitely gaining more popularity and attention and her personality is good fit for any scene who wouldn't want a funny articulate bourbon loving runner to spend time at their sport welcome to his ultra running i hope you crush the record and just keep on going that is kyle i think if you really like running you're a professional runner but you're getting towards the end of your career and you're looking for ways to extend your career but you want to continue to make money running it 100 percent makes sense to do this just yeah continue to continue to find a new event and this is this is popular. I mean, th- this is at least in the same realm as as of popularity as other. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not going to be the Boston Marathon. Let's be clear, right. but it's it's more popular probably than you know a solid like running a a solid ten k on the track. <laughs> more people are tuning into the to the ultra scene. There's certainly a lot of money in it as well. Because there are so many people running it, I think it makes sense. If that's what you love to do, just continue to find ways to excel in the sport and be good at it. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what runners generally do anyway. They go up in distance, and at a certain point, up in distance means ultras. And if that's the yeah. case, let's let's do it. Let's keep it going. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's go to. Here's Alex, former mediocre sprinter. He says, gents, I've held off from shoe takes for as long as I could. There's already precedent in the sport for how technology evolves and makes the athletes better. Look no further than the pole vault, an event where the technology alone is more responsible for improvement in the event since the early 1900s than anything the athletes can do to prepare. If distance races generate the same excitement as La Villanay and Mondo competitions, then count me in. No one is wailing <laughs> wailing, about how their tech is better than Bubka's so their marks and events are tainted. One more thing. If we can use technology to wipe out all the women's distance records from the 70s through 90s, then count me all the way in on that too. That is Alex. That, I mean, two two good points there, especially yeah. the, the latter was the one that I thought was 
interesting. Not even with the distance races. If you go into the, you know, the long sprints, mid distance, when people were talking about it's going to alter the record book forever, I, I think good. <laughs> well, and I think they've just become familiar with its flaws and they're okay with those because they just know them versus they see these as more, you know, they're obviously more recent and they're, they're bad too, but they don't have any issue with all the other ones that are in there. It's, it's very strange. We got more shoe emails. I'm just gonna throw all the shoe ones together. Is that cool? <laughs> yep. Let's just pull off the bandaid. Okay. Here's one from not brother Colin. He says, if Jamie Webb's quote about running a 450 mile in vapor flies, remember we talked about that a few a few weeks ago. Yeah. When he was the British runner who ran 144 and change behind Elliot Giles, not wearing super spikes. Uh, when he was supposed to run a 450 is somehow sufficient proof that the shoes are out of control, then I can offer another N equals one counterpoint. Cole Hawker. Remember him, Jason? We talked about him earlier. He, in the he show. brings a bell. Yeah. Long hair. Whose fast times have been dismissed by some as just a product of the shoes, just pulled off the mile 3K double, a feat that only a select few all-time great NCAA runners have been able to achieve, and did so against Fields wearing, wait for it, the exact same shoes as him. <laughs> uh, P.S. Next time there's an email drive, I'll be happy to submit a dissertation on the immaculate stupidity of the Jamie Webb quotes about the shoes. <laughs> Colin is firmly entrenched in his his shoe his shoe takes here. And then we got... But yeah, he's right. I mean, like, just a single good runner who just says, oh, yeah, I thought I was running 450. I ran 425. Like, okay, fine. Like, that, but what, I mean, we see people, like, people do that in workouts all the time, like, realize they're going much faster than they were planning to. Or, and like I said, I'm sure the shoes are great, but having, like, like just random anecdotal evidence and also just people telling you how great the shoes are. Maybe you're just running harder because, you know, the, the placebo effect is a thing. Yeah, I'm interested about that. I, listen, I don't deny that the shoes are better technology and they help. But I'm interested, especially in something like the marathon where you're alone with your thoughts for a very long time. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I don't know how you'd quantify it. Some smarter people than, than I am could figure that out. Maybe we have to have Alex Hutchinson back on but it's got to be worth at least a little bit of of time knowing oh man these things on my feet are <laughs> literally yeah, so if everybody tells you how great these shoes are like you're gonna believe it right like so and that's so B, some of the B, <laughs> some of the byu runners wore them at conference because they ran that las vegas course again which was essentially mm-hmm. like a track so they they didn't need to wear spikes this was a couple weeks ago and at Stone the the Flowtrack did a mic'd up. I wasn't there, I, but I was listening back to it. And Iceland's literally yelling at one of the guys, let's go, you know, like 2K to go. You got the super shoes on. Like, as, like, motivation, right? Yeah. Like, like, hey, we're getting these bad boys out. Let's roll. I know that was a big mental part when you and I were running. Like, I didn't wear my flats unless, you know, it was go time, you know? Same thing with you with the spikes. So th- is that everything? No, but I think that's it's something to, to be – Worth exploring. Anyway, so we got another one on the other side of things here from Steve in Dorset in the UK. Um, He talks about one of Ross Tucker's podcasts where he says, in testing the original Vaporfly, in testing the original Vaporfly, 
responded for all athletes. Everyone had a benefit, but not everyone had the same. For some, it was 1% or 2%. Others, it was 5 or 6 The average was 4%, hence the shoe name. I think they should have named it the 6% and then put an asterisk by it and then underneath it <laughs> written, but some people only get 1%. As you said in the last podcast, the margins with professional sports are already really small with 0.5% difference between good or great or even podium spot or fourth plus. If these shoes give athlete A a 5% improvement, athlete B a 2% improvement, then they are both happy with the new shoes. However, athlete B is physiologically 2% better than athlete A without the shoes. Athlete B is the better athlete and is the one who has worked and deserves to be winning. With those shoes, he is now 1% behind athlete A and will most likely lose to the inferior athlete. These shoes are now creating a competition where it is not the best who win, but those who respond best to the shoes that win. Um, Obviously, there could be a different shoe that performs better for athlete B and he can regain his advantage, but is no longer down to the athlete and the work they put in. Running is a great pure sport where you get out what you put in, but the shoes are taking some of this away. Um, having said all this, I'm not against the shoes, but I am not really sure where I stand on them. I'm not sure if I will buy some. I want to break through in the marathon, but not sure if I'll be happy and feel that I actually have run the time if I was to wear the shoes and run 259 and change. However, I used to run chathons and had no issue buying an expensive bike to help improve my performance. Hope all is well with you and your families. That is Steve. Thank you, Steve. Well, you could always buy, you could do both and do your own testing. Right. I mean, and I get it's. It is one of those things, though. There's so many factors that make that one runner responds to better than the others, and if yeah. if even if I'm a five minute miler in Nike blah 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 spikes, like just middle of the road, whatever. And the same, and if I use Adidas, I'm a four fifty five for whatever reason. Like they just yeah. feel better. Like like. That those kind of things happen, and yeah, people are going to respond to everything just slightly differently. How the races run, the temperature of the race, everything else. I mean, I I, I get it. it's like, I mean that we're putting a lot of people are putting the shoes in a different category, and maybe maybe they are, maybe they should be, but it's I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. I, I like I said I don't really. I mean, five percent just the times don't back that up. So unless everybody got slower and then the shoes made them in turn slightly faster, but so, so isn't the whole idea of prototypes and forget carbon fiber and all that other stuff and foam, even before that era, they were custom spikes being made for people, right? Prototypes. And not everybody had access to the same, biomechanical experts and basically those were made to optimize a a certain person's performance correct and then yes with after that maybe there were some tweaks made to other to the same model or they use that as a jumping off point to sell them to the masses or even just to lower tier athletes i i so i think it's been going on for a while now you can say the advantage is greater now because we're talking about bigger margins but the whole idea was to create like a high responder shoe isn't that the whole idea of an, a company making a custom shoe for an athlete since the beginning right this was yeah, like what's finding maybe finding maybe what they don't they're not optimized to do and if a shoe can help them optimize that yeah then ma- you make the shoe to do that right make them even if it's just recovery right or injury prevention all those other things but not everybody had a company 
that was doing that for all of their athletes. Some didn't probably have – some just took what, what was given to them and then others right. I'm sure were in constant communication during the development process. That's why I have – this is just a very hard line to draw and I get that it, it's like – it's the next evolution of the argument because once you get to, okay, everybody has access to them. Yes, people are running faster but that's just where we're at. It's not the end of the world. Track meets are still happening. Tim Hutchings' Twitter feed is still here. The next evolution is like, well, some people respond to them better. And then, again, like I said before, it gets into a weird spot there because then you have to control for a lot of other things if you want it to be a pure, quote-unquote, pure competition. I I remember hearing um, or seeing something, right, about – like the Boston Marathon that year when the weather was bad. It's like why some people mm-hmm. responded well and others didn't. I mean, I guess if they knew going in that the weather was going to be terrible, maybe right. Nike would have. Remember what Jeffrey Curry's jacket and it turned into an airbag essentially or parachute yes. the entire time? That was not fully optimized. But No, definitely not. Yeah. So I, I, I get, I, un, I understand why that would be an argument, but there's, there's certain people who last year, for example, or 2019, man, I will never remember that <laughs> last year wasn't 2019. I have totally erased 2019 from my memory or 2020. Shelby didn't wear the spikes. She didn't like them at the time. Right. She probably wear them this year. Brazier didn't wear the spikes. Okay. So two high profile Nike runners in, in marquee events. Um, obviously weren't responding in a, or they were just, they didn't like the way they felt or they put too much pressure on a certain part of their body. Stuff happens all the time, but I can see how you do this because then you'd say you'd respond to, uh, was it not brother Collins email say, well, Cole Hawker's just a super responder. All those other people, not super responders. They're on the 1% side. He's on the 5% side. <laughs> right. It's yeah, and it's so hard to know, you know, how it actually affects anybody and when their training has peaked and what's to do it. And it's just, you know, it's it's tough. And you know the shoes are good and they are good and they do make a difference. But it's an unending you know, argument, though. If this is exactly what we set up as the... it, no matter what, you can you know self fulfilling prophecy. Like if if you want it to be the shoes, then any great performance where they're wearing the shoes happens. And if they're just if it's a runner who doesn't wear the shoes and they run great you say well that happens sometimes and you ignore it and that's fine but yeah well and even i get it they wear it so it's different but it's it contributes to the performance in the same way that altitude training contributes to the performance and nutrition contributes to the performance and what you drink or what gels or fuel you take in during a marathon that contributes to the performance certain people respond different to what what they put in their body for example i would respond really well to a vaccine right now so if you know anybody in the austin area <laughs> who would like to give me a vaccine uh house at gmail.com i yeah it's just i don't know and then when we i kind of laugh too when we talk about equity in sports it's just like none of this 
we should strive obviously to be equitable, but like track is a global sport and you can't tell me that people in, in country A versus country B are having a fair shot at this or have fair access to resources and training. Right. right. In America and a lot of other countries, they have a huge leg up on the rest of the world. How many steeple pits are there in Kenya? How many all weather tracks are there in Jamaica? I, does that does that does that matter? Like all this yeah. stuff, the field has already been tilted, and I get that brands maybe exacerbate that, right? Some Nike athletes get this, and other Nike athletes don't get that. But you could play that game too with going country to country as well, too, or university to university. And some of that stuff is just it. It's increasingly difficult to, and that's not just running, right? That's every sport. Yeah. That's kind of the, we say sports is a meritocracy, but I think they say it's you know the closest thing you can get to a meritocracy. Not saying it is, because it's not. Anyway, let's go to uh, Brian from Knoxville. More Des Linden emails here. He says, as we move into spring, I think it's only natural that the narrative surrounding how one should dress in cold weather would come back into the limelight. <laughs> While not specifically addressing the shorts over tights slash shorts under tights debate, this lady made a bold statement. She says, and it's a Deslin in tweet here, hot take, team running pants is greater than team tights. I'm not sure what qualifies her to offer an opinion about bad weather running, <laughs> but I feel like we need to consider a wide range of viewpoints. No, it's 100% right. Running pants, I've said this before, we had a whole email about the origin of running pants on the show. They are superior to tights. Just a fact. Yeah, I think, I think I would say the majority of people are going to fall on that side, right? Like, if you have like a really good pair of running pants, that's just going to be better than running tights. Yeah, it's just listen. It's in their name. It's tight. It's too tight. You you want a little bit of a little bit of uh, what am I trying to say? A little bit of a little bit of give. Little yeah. Bit of give. Okay. There you go. A little bit of give. You don't want to be cutting off circulation there. Okay, uh, Marshall wants to know, why does the NCAA give a fourth-place podium trophy? Typically, when I think of podium, I think of top three. Or in the state of Iowa, we have top eight podium for wrestling. Who started this tradition, and how long has it been going on? I didn't do a deep dive, but I wondered the same thing. I actually didn't know that until a couple of years ago. Hmm. I, I, I'm with Marshall. I think either podium is three or eight. Nothing in between. Yeah, that is a little weird. Um I mean, it's, you know, with with three, it makes sense because we have, like, the medals mm-hmm. established. And so, like, that just kind of fits. Um, yeah, unless you have a particular award for fourth or even through just eighth. Fourth like, place. If, you give fourth place. Yeah, That's like, if you were – or if your top eight was, like, you know – yeah, points, all, right? Top eight all NCAA. Point. Yeah, I guess the top eight. Yeah, it's points. Okay, so that's that's fine. There has to be some distinguishing factor. So I think that's why three and eight makes all American. sense. All American. Yeah, okay. exactly. If you're an all American at eight, then okay, that's fine. But he's talking teams. Goes, he's talking teams. Yeah. He's talking. Oh, indoor, for te- okay. Indoor teams. Yeah. So it's not. Yeah. You're not an all American team. You're just whatever place you get. Right. But they say podium. Yeah. Yeah, and even then, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on his side. I'm I'm trying to figure out a reason for it, but you know, I'm guessing that they told someone to make a podium, and then they, he came back with four, and they were like, "Oh, um, okay, yeah, this will work." 
Well, there's 31 teams in cross. It's like, well, three seems too few. All right, you want to do like eight? That's another number for yeah. podium. No, it seems like way too many. All right, how about how about four? Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, cool. Even five would like make more sense in my head because I feel like you want one centered, right? Oh, if you're you're talking about a physical podium, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I yeah, if you say podium, I'm picturing a physical podium. Yeah. So one I, is the tallest and in the middle, and it needs to be kind of. Well, I guess eight's not odd numbers either, so that's still weird. But I don't know. I remember I have a picture somewhere. It's my parents' house of me on the podium at state and track. Yep. When I was seventh. And it looks like, a, in my mind, it was epic, but it looks like the stupidest podium. Also, everybody's You're different heights. You're about six heights. inches off the ground. Well, right. And everybody's different heights. So just the person in right. fourth is above the person in third, and the person in second is actually closer to the person in eighth. <laughs> it's just, there's a lot going on on a top eight podium, but yeah, I felt, I felt good about it. I felt good standing up there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, uh, you know, I think standing on a podium... That's like a cool thing. So I guess if we can let more people do it, let's go for it. Yeah. How many times in your life do you get to stand on a podium? <sighs> Not enough. Yeah. They should incorporate that into daily life more. I don't know how yeah, you do right? it. But there should be podiums. After you get the vaccine, of... you should be able to step on a podium and oh, just awesome. raise your hands above your head. <laughs> yes. Fist bump, fist bump, fist bump. Okay. Uh, another one from Marshall. I recently read the following headline, Birmingham 2020 aims to be first carbon neutral Commonwealth Games, and immediately thought, wow, they seem to be a bit uh, brash to ban carbon-plated spikes this far in advance of the meet. <laughs> I then realized they were talking about carbon emissions slash climate change. Or are they? <laughs> Another one from Marshall. As a proud alum of Drake University, I nominate Drake's Adam Fogg, an Aussie, as the athlete who made the most of an opportunity to compete at NCAAs this past weekend. He was a 15th seed with a 3.59 PR, which was also the first sub-four mile in Drake University history. Given everyone and their mom can run sub-four these days, he would likely have been excluded from the field had XC been held in November slash canceled. However, Fogg made it through the uh, to the final from the slow heat closing in 153 in the final. Uh, he spent practically all of his time between 409 meters and 1209 meters either on the outside of lane one or in lane two however he showed some big cojones with a couple key moves about 1k and 1200 with 100 to go he appeared destined for third but tied up in the home stretch and was dipped at the line to finish fourth podium podium huh? finish a <laughs> couple other items about fog one he spent most of the fall taking his virtual classes from australia often waking up between 1 a.m and 3 a.m aussie time to attend virtual Oof. class he did not arrive back in the States until the beginning of February, I believe. 2A, he finished second at the Missouri Valley Conference Cross-Country Championships on March 3rd, missing out on an auto-qualifier at XC Nationals. His second place showing at MVCs was only four days after he won the MVC Indoor 3K in a meet record of 8.06. Fogg won this race from the slow heat of the 3K with zero competition and lapped the entire field. His margin of victory was 43 seconds. He beat everyone in the fast heat by 20 seconds. Why was he in the slow Wow. Why? Um... He lost to Kevin Kosky of Illinois State by 11 seconds at the Missouri Valley Conference. XC meet. Kosky did not run indoor. Three, Fogg ran 359.81 for his first sub-four mile. And soil record in the state of South Dakota this February question. Jason, can you name three cities in South Dakota? Or, for that matter, three cities in Iowa. Uh-oh. Four, Drake University is an Adidas school. As a result, uh, they did not result uh the, res the results did not come while wearing nike super spikes no shoe talk here just talent and hard work uh okay three in south dakota or three in iowa so i've got 
two in South Dakota off the top of my head. What are they? Like Sioux Falls. Okay. And Rapid City. I don't think I have a third. What about the capital? Capital of South Dakota. I think I might have guessed it was one of those ones I said. I feel like I used to know all the capitals, and now mm-hmm. I'm not sure I do. Um, Sioux Falls and Rapid City is good, though. You did good. You got yeah. I don't two think I know another one. Pierre. Pierre. Oh, Pierre. Okay, I definitely yeah. I, I should have known that. I should have gotten the capitals. I feel like I used to know all the capitals. You know what the population of Pierre is? It's got to be super low, right? Take a guess. 6,000. 13,000. Okay. Second least populous state following Montpelier and Vermont. Okay, can you do three in Iowa? You should be able to do three in Iowa, right? I think so. Uh, Des Moines? Correct. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> Cedar Rapids? Correct. Uh, and what's another good one in Iowa? How about anyone in Iowa? Uh, isn't there an Iowa City? Yep. Yep. Des Moines, Iowa City, Cedar Rapids. Also would have accepted Davenport, Ames, Dubuque, Sioux City. Mm, Davenport. One. I know that one. Waterloo. Oh, Cancel Sioux City. Bl- I had Sioux Falls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Sioux Falls, Sioux City. Waterloo, Cancel Bluffs, Ankeny, Ottumwa, Mason City, Cedar Falls, Fort Dodge, West Des Moines, Marshalltown, named after Marshall, and Bettendorf, of course. Who could forget Bettendorf? Of course. Bettendorf. That's actually the motto of the city okay let's go to (laughs) oh here's a good one this is from alicia she sent the trivia questions before that exposed my lack of knowledge of the foreign hurdles oh yeah i asked who the rio formula hurdles silver medalists men's and women's were to highlight that yes this event has a has massively progressed but also because it's an event that's unique uh it's an event that's unique in that in 2013 15 17 16 have had completely different podiums uh, each time on the men's side. I haven't looked at every track and field discipline, but I'm pretty sure it's rare to have no medalists reoccur over four championships. That is weird. Wow. Yeah. Things have changed now, and it looks like the three frontrunners will be reoccurring medalists for a while, but who knows? The question about who the Rio Formula Hurdle men's silver medalist is a fan favorite because you just won't get it without looking. You said Delilah had part one of her career in Rio and then part two in tw- uh, 2019, but don't forget she was medalist way back in 2013 when she trained with Lashina Demas. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Just chapters. That's crazy. Uh, I asked about the bronze in the 110 in 2015. Aries Merritt won bronze in 2015 in his last race before a kidney transplant, so that medal was quite significant at the time. Anyway, this time let's go with two uh, – would you rather's this time? Would you rather all future champs be held in the same venue or all future champs have no crowd? And two, would same you rather venue, for sure? Yeah, same venue. I'm for same venue anyway. Yeah, that's good. Kevin's been pushing this for years. There's a city in England where they even show up for the decathlon morning sessions, Jason. <laughs> like, I like it. You know, I think it should move around between like three or four cities, like in a perfect world. But like, yeah, if you just said, hey, it's in London every year, cool, let's do it. Yeah, if the choice is one city that's awesome all the time, or we do a rotation where we might get certain cities where nobody shows up for, I don't know, 95% of the meat, then put it in a place the same every year and not complicate it. But no, I'm fine with, I'm fine with a, London, uh, a London-Berlin rotation. Mm. 
Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah. Or, uh, I mean, Australia would be cool too. I don't know facilities-wise what, what each country has to offer, but London and Berlin obviously have hosted recently, and they're awesome. And I would like to go to London and Berlin. I'd like to go anywhere, but come on. Let's put it in a place where people are going to show up to the meet. Let's do that. Let's do step one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, her second, would you rather would you rather watch very close competition with average times or distances where you don't know who will win each time, or would you rather see one standout athlete breaking records but be out of reach to other athletes? Basically, do you want to see David Risha? Yeah. Or do you want to see the 2017 women's 1500? Yeah. Man, I love the world where I have both, so it's really hard because you like – I want like the crazy, you know, outliers who just you just awe at how good they are. Mm-hmm. But you know, a loaded field going for it. If you're forcing me just like for one meet, um, I'm probably picking the the closer races. But it's 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 really close because I just it's it's perfect to have both. And that's what's cool about it. You get you always get a little bit of both in every big meet. Yeah, I think if you. I think people say, I think you say competition, but, but what would you tell your grandkids about one day? You'd right. probably tell them, you'd probably tell them about the crazy time that you saw. That you saw Bolt or you saw Rudisha. Yeah. 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 So I'll do that. Cause it's true. Cause I've seen so many incredible races and I, and that, you know, some of them stick in my head, but really the, the ones that really stick in my head are incredible performances. Yeah. If you could, I mean, I never saw, I never saw Bolt live. I never saw Rudisha live. Do I live every day in regret? Absolutely about that. Yep. I mean, I saw, I saw Muhammad versus McLaughlin live with forty other people in the stadium in Doha. That was pretty. That was pretty, pretty cool. good. But, but uh, yeah, I think when they beat someone by so much that it's not competitive. I mean, the, obviously, the best of both worlds, they run fast, and it's close, right? But there's also right. the... There's you get the also, men's 400 hurdles. Yeah. But there's also something to it where they beat everybody by so much that it just adds to the, to the historical the, nature. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you were watching Rhodesia, or you watch Bolt, even... I mean, Bolt in 09 was great, but if you watch Bolt in 08, when he's celebrating early, yeah, that would be... Yeah, th- that was... That was made more impressive by obviously the margin. If someone else was in that race when he ran nine sixty nine and they ran, you know, nine seventy four, uh, I don't. It, it makes you think you're seeing something. That it's going to be a long time before you see it again. Because if someone's nipping at their heels, you're like, well, next year they might beat him. <laughs> right. This. Is yeah, different. that's. Like, uh, you know what I'm I saying? Think you convinced me to go the other way. Yeah. Just blowouts, just out and just a hundred percent time trials. That's all I want to see. Just lights on the track, seven carbon fiber plates in every shoe. Let's just burn, burning of the record books midway through the meet. Just chanting about how the records suck. Uh, Terry from Vermont has a conspiracy theory. He thinks Pete Jillian's group is going to be end up being sponsored by Jordan. Uh, but he says I have no Ooh. idea whether or not this has any remote chance of happening. The thought just came to me. I mean, I'm all about it. Let's get some cool. I mean, I've already got the best Jordan running shoes. Those are awesome, but we could get some really cool Jordan running gear. Um, why not? There was that picture. I think I sent it to you uh, two years ago 
when Brazier was like shrugging as he came across the line in that indoor yeah. meet because he missed the record, and then I put Jordan shrug next to it. Oh, look, yeah, could, that's right. Could, could be a marketing campaign. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's go to let's do more uh, geography. Ward from Belgium here. The city I won't mention. Yeah. Since you seem to be on a roll in guessing them, Belgium is about the size of a small U.S. state and the population of a larger U.S. state. So I think it fits nicely into your game. So can you name three Belgian cities? So I was going to go to two of them last oh, year. Okay. Um, so that was that was Brussels and Bruges. <laughs> uh, so yes, there. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, Antwerp. Oh my goodness! We got a winner, folks. How about that? Um, now I'm trying to think if I have any more. I know I looked at so many of these that I'm like trying to remember, like from you know, just like hey, what things to see in in Belgium? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you see uh, Ward. So you see. You see, you, see. you see Ward. You see, you see the best beer in the world. Okay, Easily so he Belgian beer is the best. He didn't. I don't think he had much faith because he put in some hints. Oh no! So yeah, first, I. Yeah. But you already did Gent? it. So f- Ghent, right? With like an H in there somewhere? Ghent, yeah. So Diamond League, that was his first hint. So that'd be Brussels. Yep, Brussels. Allen Webb Mile, I remember this, because I've seen it written down. I don't know how to pronounce it. Brashot, B-R-A-A-S. Ooh, I, I wouldn't have gotten that one. Yeah, I think it's fairly small. Uh, the movie with Colin Farrell was his next clue. In Bruges, yep. Napoleon. So apparently there's a city named, oh, Waterloo. Oh, okay. Yeah, duh. I should have gotten that. I was going to say dynamite, but I realized this was not fill in the blank. <laughs> uh, and then I vaguely recall the U.S. team had a training camp slash base of sorts there. I think that's Ghent. Oh, no. Uh, Leven. Leven. L-E-U-V-E-N. Mm. Okay, I've seen Le- Yeah. And then 1920s Olympics, which you already named. Boom. Antwerp. Yeah, see? I, I Apparently, I know other countries better than the most states in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Uh, email keeps going he says you were pretty quick to gloss over Euro indoors yeah I did that again mm, on this sorry. show too Sorry, but I just want to point out that your random NCAA meets are a whole lot less interesting to the or Ooh, at least this European like listener wow well I don't think he's saying the NCAA championships are random but I get what he's saying while not all the big names show up the racing was still fun to watch on top of that this is the kind of meet that can help garner some interest in smaller countries by actually getting medals take for example oh let's say belgium we got five medals our biggest haul ever in euro indoors we also sent our biggest delegation ever as uh for a few years now we seem to have finally stopped setting a needlessly harder standard yes than the international standard it's almost like letting athletes compete and get experience will help them progress anyway i would encourage people pining for some more track racing to give the watching the Euro indoors a go after all. They really aren't worse than half the meets you do talk about. <laughs> Honestly, he's probably right. Yeah. I think the reason, well, we're biased. Obviously. We're American. We're more American centric and that's just happens. And I agree. But like, yeah, if I'm, if I was in Belgium, right? Like I do well, watching the Euro indoors because you know, and there is that little bit of bragging rights and you're rooting for your guys. So I, I totally get that. Yeah, there's a national component to it, but a lot of the big European names did not run. I mean, he's saying random NCAA meets, so I'm I'm taking it to to mean that he's not referring to the NCAA indoors because I don't want to have to go compare times between Euro indoors and NCAA indoors because it won't yeah, be, I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about you know 
the random and and hey, I've been as guilty as, as not paying attention to it. Random cross country meet where there's three big teams, but none of them are running their main guys. Yeah, I, that's your I'm, I'm with my I'm with my guy Ward here. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but that's your indoors. Like a lot of people. I mean, Ingebrigtsen showed up, which was awesome. Keely Hodgkinson showed up. That was awesome. But they were missing a lot of other people too. So, uh, yeah. I mean, was Carson Morholm there? I don't think so. I mean, so. that would have that would have helped. But um, our Laura, our Laura, did our Laura triple? Ingebrigtsen's by themselves. I mean, you know, Stefan is on there. Than I just. Most. Look, yeah, but every you're right. Every non diamond league meet, even some diamond league meets, leave a little bit to be desired. The problem is this is dressed up as oh, it's a it's a championship. We should get more excited about it. When in reality, uh, the fields don't don't play that. It's remember a couple years ago when you were making fun of the continental, or not continental, the uh, what am I trying to say? Commonwealth Games. Mm. And by you, I mean both of us. Yeah. Because uh, they build it up as this thing, and the athletes don't take it seriously at all. So Anyway, finally. Yeah, I says, think it's I, – I think it is – in a way, it's similar to NCAAs because it's – you're kind of looking – like if, I, if I'm watching Euro Indoors, like, right? Like I'm watching for the next possible stars who could – Some of them are old. They're not young. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. But, like, you know, it's it's – I think that's part of it is, oh, okay, maybe, hey, this 19-year-old or 20-year-old did something. And, yeah, they're not they're not really relevant on the Diamond League world scene yet, but mm-hmm. maybe that's that's something we can get excited about. So so I, I, I could see that that kind of part of it. So here's the – do you want – here's the 15, the women's 15. Do you know who got gold? Women's 15 at Euro Indoors? I, I'm, I'm going to just stay off the deck. I, I do not know who got any place at Euro Indoors. Well, it's from Belgium. Elise van der Elst. Silver was Holly Archer. Bronze was Hannah Klein. I mean, there's what so many times pe- are they doing? Uh, <laughs> just curious. Four, uh, let's see. In the final, 418. I mean, the prelim, 409. Was the fastest time? Okay, so that's yeah. All right, that's okay. that's. I mean, they had some. I mean, it's fifteen. It gets tactical. That's not surprising. Femke Bowl ran fifty point six three in the four hundred, which you know that was faster than than NCAA's. The sprinter went seven oh three. Hodgkinson ran two oh three. The three K was eight forty six. Let's see. Let's look at the men here. So really, it's six six forty seven. In the 60, 46-22 for the quarter. Woof. 146 in the eight. Ingebrigtsen won the 15 in the three. It just, it's just, it's a watered down meat is what I'm saying. And most meats are watered down. So Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about NCAAs is obviously the top people in the world aren't eligible. So we can't hold that against NCAAs that like, hey, you know, Noah Lyles wasn't there. Well, yeah, he wasn't yeah, there. Yeah, He's yeah. not an NCAA athlete. Um well, so, you get one or two things, right? You get the a thing mode. You get the Cole Hawker. You got they had a, but we, we didn't even mention it. They had a, a a guy in the 400 from LSU who nobody is familiar with ran like 44 seven in the indoor quarter, right? And it just gets got right. Noah Williams ran 44 71, uh, and then there was another guy who ran sub sub 45 Randolph Ross. Like there's just I, there's just a lot there's a lot of depth on the NCAA. Right. No, and I, I think we're probably guilty. 
with with Euro indoors, I think we're probably guilty of focusing on who's not there as opposed to like it's it. He probably is right, especially during these like indoor week to week. I saved my energy for Euro cross. You know, February meets where we're like talking about things. You know, most of it's not the, the the highlight of the year. Well, and it's one result out of a whole meet because that's what it is. It's all spread out. Oh my god, a thing Mo ran one fifty nine at this in this meet. We don't talk about the whole meat. You know what I mean? The, the whole meat. Right. You're right. The whole meat isn't noteworthy. But the one the one performance is. Again, I just saved my energy for Eurocross. Me and Julian. That's what we're excited about here. <laughs> Eurocross. Uh, one last part, he says, finally, as I checked Belgium's medal count, I also checked the final medal ranking. Now, I've always known these to be ranked by number of gold medals, then silver as a tiebreaker, then bronze as a, t- a tiebreaker. However, I vaguely recall the U.S. news outlets doing it differently during the Olympics. They just looked at the total medal count. Was that really a thing? And if so, why are you doing it wrong? If you do want to just sum up the medals, I'd expect at least some weighting to the different medals. Surely a gold counts way more than a silver, let alone a bronze. So what's the current best medal ranking system, and can you come up with a better one? That is Ward from Brussels. The best way He's... to do it... Just go ahead. Go. No, no, go ahead. Okay. I solved DQs last time. Well, we solved DQs last time because you had the good plexiglass idea. Top eight and do track scoring. There's nothing like hmm. third being weighted so much more than fourth makes no sense at all. Eight is I think but a medals lot. Is, just kind of matter, right? I mean that's as, as unfair as that is. Medals matter, so you get ten, you get eight, you get six, you get more points for them. The problem, at least with track, which I mean, if we're talking about track, because eight is significant because that's a cutoff for a lot of events to get to the final. So there right. should be more value in eight versus nine. Now you could say, well, in a distance race, whatever, but there needs to be a cutoff somewhere. But it is bizarre. Like there's so many fourth place people in the world who've been fourth place in the Olympics walking around sad because sometime a long time ago, they decided they only had enough medals for the top three and they couldn't do four. But because it makes no sense, they could have just as easily done two. And then there'd be a lot right. of happy third place people walking around who were able to tell people, I'm an Olympic medalist. Who could say, wow, they named that street after you? Yeah, what's it called? Third Street. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, I I see what you mean. And it's probably, I think it's the most accurate way to like sum up the meat itself. Like if you wanted a true, like yeah. a, a true snapshot of, of what happened. But I do think medals, despite them being just arbitrarily top three, that they, that is what people care about, really. They don't really care about like, well, we had a great show and we got a ton of sixth place finishes. Like that, that overall, that's not you're not ha- having the big parade back home probably for the for the sixth placer, right? So, and that sucks for the sixth placer. Like, right? It still made the final. That's a big deal. But um, he is right about. I remember being a kid and looking at the paper like during the Olympics, and mm-hmm. they would have the medal table, and it was just by total medals. Yeah, you know, just that's how it was organized. U.S. has. 40 medals and then you know china has 30 or whatever it was and it was organized by total not by gold um and i think that's he's right there that's not wrong i mean so if you want to split the difference i'm gonna go gold medals worth five points silver medals worth three a bronze is worth one and there you go you got whatever you got there i yeah because then a gold is worth more than a silver and bronze combined, and that seems about right. Yeah. But then it gets weird, because then basketball gets 
I mean, it's already weird, right? Basketball counts yeah. as one gold medal. <laughs> yes. I mean, all te- I guess, you know, same with relays and any other team sport, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it gets kind of weird. I don't know. I don't know the best way to do it. I think the points give you a better representation of how well you did. Because you're right. Okay, you're not having a parade for six. But why have we decided we're going to have a parade for third? Six in the world is pretty damn good. Not as good no, as third. It, it absolutely. But. You're right. Like I said, it is arbitrary. And it's like, I think it's, you know, it's really obvious gold, first place. Hey, you're the best in the world. Everyone can yeah. agree on that. Second, you just missed out. After that, you know, clearly they go in order from third, fourth, fifth, et cetera. But like the fact that third is there and fourth isn't is really kind of, kind of silly. So do you think we should just do gold? Yes. Just sort them by gold? Just, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sick of these out- participation trophies. <laughs> so what's wrong with the culture these days you can still give out silver but what he's saying is sort the when you look at the table sort it by gold first yeah if you're just if it was just either sort it by gold or sort it by total medals i'd say sort it by gold i agree here's, with the, other pro- here's the other problem though the olympics add a lot of sports that are stupid okay so what you True. need to do is not count those medals to, or just <laughs> understand that they don't mean anything or if you love track and field, then you just count the track and field medals anyway. That's what right? I'm saying. Just every sport yeah. can count their own however they want to do it. And for track, oh, that's what you do. Each sport comes up with a way to judge their own sport. And then that goes into the, a larger total. There you go. Mm. So. Okay. Right? So track wants to do it this way. This is it's how we're just- really weird. <laughs> yeah. But then there's one winner for each. Oh, the U.S. won track and basketball, and Italy won soccer and fencing. So they each got two wins. Man, whoever wins canoeing is going to get this dub. You right? Know, like that. That's Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Craig in Rockford, Michigan. Uh, he said, I have something I thought I'd bring up that is kind of a cross-pollination of a couple recent topics, Tour de France and potential world athletics changes. If you recall, cycling correspondent Luke explained the individual time trial, and while he didn't give it a ringing endorsement from a cycling excitement standpoint, it did get me thinking on how this concept could apply to track. At first blush, it seems like it's the worst idea in the world as it basically eliminates head-to-head racing. However, what if there was an event where the concept of racing is either uh, avoided, i.e. elite runners only enter races they are guaranteed to win, or embraced to a fault when you do get a good field, everyone jogs until there's 200 meters to go? Yes, I'm thinking of the 1500, specifically the men's version. Now, I'm not suggesting an individual time, individual time trial uh, would be the format for the World or Olympics or even the Diamond League, but as one, as a once-a-season concept, I think it actually would be kind of awesome. First off, by sending a runner off by themselves alone on the track, you are stripping things down to the most basic level and saying, all right, we're all watching you. No hiding. Show us what you got. And sure, things won't start off that great at the beginning. The combination of starting off with the slowest runners and no one to push you on the track guarantees this, but eventually a few runners into the time trial, some will run a time that is several seconds faster, and the proverbial gauntlet will be thrown down to the remaining runners. And remember, all the remaining runners are technically faster. Do they want to get beat? Think of the scenario. It's a packed stadium. Midway through the top time is a mere 339, 
And then Craig Engels goes and runs a 336 to take the lead and celebrates by doing Craig Engels things. Crowd goes wild. Next up is Centro. And not wanting to be outdone by Engels, runs 334. Crowd goes wild again. But wait, his time only lasts two more runners as Lewandowski goes 333. Again, crowd goes wild. And we still got Ingebrigtsen's and Chariot to go. You get the picture. Perhaps it's fantasy. But hey, I think it's worth a shot. That is Craig. What do you think? Yeah, so this is interesting. So... You would basically have to pick one event, like he did here, because these would take forever. Um, but like, say, the, you have the men's fifteen or whatever, and you did this, and I would watch the hell out of it, like absolutely, yeah. because I think it would be really fun as a one-off. Of course, I wouldn't want that to be to replace, you know, regular mm-hmm. uh, racing. But a- as a as a single thing, it would be great. Um, you know, say if you got ten runners or whatever, you know, you could knock out the you're going to knock out the men's 15 in, you know, 35, 40 minutes. Like, it's going to go pretty good. So maybe you could get a couple events in there. Uh, but, yeah, would it, let's let's do it. Would it be interesting for the 8, or is the 8 honest enough to where you don't need it? it? No, it would still be interesting. Because it's just taking out the competition. I mean, that talk about, like, certain people would just react differently. You'd get some people, like, running 148 probably without realizing it. <laughs> like, it would just be, or probably not that slow, but, like, you'd get people who are drastically off, um, and then seeing if, um, you know, someone could chase down. Like, you know, just, just having that, that exact target to try to hit would be, yeah. uh, would be really interesting. Do we give them the lights of the time to beat? It would give them an advantage. Oh, but that, that also, would be a big advantage. But if you're the number one seed, you get a little bit of an advantage. That would be a huge advantage. Um, Make I think you would watchable. get the one seed winning almost every time if if that was the case. Well, but what if I don't know? They could have the a crazy, a crazy, crazy because once you because all right, if Angles is trying to beat so and so's time. And with 100 to go, he's like way ahead of the lights. He's not really getting any benefit from the lights at that point. Oh, I right. see what you're saying. By the end, though, there's only one time. By the end, like that, yeah. that, I mean, it, it, they're probably, I mean, maybe not everyone, but I feel like the vast majority because you, I mean, to have that, because that'd be the hardest part. When you're literally running alone, alone, like yeah. that, uh, having that, those lights, I think would be massive. So I would go no lights. I'd um, go yes lights because okay. I want to ru- ruin the integrity of this already. Well, but the, the lights fans, have fans. to go at the exact pace that person ran. So if the person in front of you ran oh, at yeah. a, a terrible <laughs> uh, split, then you're you're really thrown off by it. I like it. Well, the fans need to be able to see it. So may, I don't know. Maybe you want to hide the lights so they can't tell where they are. Yeah, that's, that's where that that's where that it, ghost Mario Kart ghost technology comes in. Well, it would make the it would make it interesting. I think. With the lights, without the lights, it'd just be like, wait, what? Like you have to wait too long for feedback yeah, to know how to know how that's close a good point. Uh, okay, I want to get to this next one here. Chris writes in. Um, he has a proposal for a new song or two for when young people rack up records, whether they be American youth records or U twenty and the like. My son is eight years old, and while he doesn't listen to the pod, he's a big fan of both the American record song and the original non angry world record song. <laughs> He knows them because we sing them around the house for goofy, goofy achievements like the fastest sprint between the kitchen and the living room. He's been playing piano for several years now and has gotten pretty decent at it. 
especially pieces that he practices for a bit. It occurred to me that it might be funny for the pod to have a song for when there's a youth record of some type to be able to have a version of these songs sung and played for by someone who's obviously a child, a thing most U20 world record in the 800 sparked this idea. If you think it's a good idea, we're game, but we need some assistance, namely being able to get in touch with Scooter. Well, Scooter didn't make these songs. It's true. Yeah. Well, but yeah, but Scooter knows, uh, you know, Bob Goulet, and <laughs> Sco- they, he could talk Sco- to him about that. Scooter's done so many songs on here that people think, um, but not American World Record. Yeah, that's not him. Yeah, that's uh, that's Tim in Virginia. Um, we'll have to figure this out, though. But well, yeah, I, I, as far as do I think it's a good idea? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this. he should. Just, I think he should just go in the uh, create something new, right? I mean, the kid, yeah. it's a lot of pressure for the kid, but because um, the, the world, both versions of the world record song are not done by the same American record song artist. Those are two different people as well, yeah. too. It's exciting. This is, but yeah, I want this. I, yeah, it's, uh, if I had any musical talent whatsoever, I would have tried you know, my hand at this, but I, I, I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. None of it. The U20 record song. Uh, Luke's got a cycling email. We'll save that for next time. Um. Oh, so Midwest sent a uh, ESPN challenge for the a bracket. Oh yeah, I did see that. Um, okay, do you want to do this or no? Yeah, I mean, I could. Uh, I mean, I'll fill one out for sure. And if people want to do it, we could throw it on the throw it on the Twitter. Yeah, or put it on the um, put in the show notes. Uh, yeah. The winner, he says, or we could do it cross country style. Lowest score wins. <laughs> When does the tournament start this year? Uh, so the playing games are Thursday, and the actual first round is Friday. So you wouldn't need it until Friday. Yeah, they usually allow you to not, okay. you know, be in before the playoff, uh, the playing okay. games. So hopefully this gets posted. Although we've had numerous audio issues today, hopefully, will this get posted a couple days ahead of time and people can join? Um, the winner. What does the winner get? The winner gets a program, a section of our show, and we talk about whatever they want. Does that sound fair? Mm, Or or a t-shirt. Or a t-shirt. Or if you're from Europe and you win, because I want to get some European entries in here, we'll do a – we'll just watch the Euro indoor meet, rewatch it. (laughs) Oh, I like that. Whatever event. Just dive deep into it. But, yeah, so there's going to be – we'll put a link on the show notes here. Um. This is the basketball tournament for those of you who don't not know. Uh, and then we got we got one from Mike that we'll read next time, and then we got one from Zach as well. And looks we just got one from Trevor and Sunny SoCal. So keep the emails going. Thanks everybody for writing in. Join the tournament bracket if you want to win something. TBD. I think letting them pick like a, a, a show subject would be cool. But you think they right? want a shirt more? Yeah, a shirt's probably more valuable these days. I mean, shirts always good, but did I tell you my neighbor bought a shirt? Just cause no, it'd be funny. He thought it'd be funny. He walked that's out of his awesome. house one day. He knows nothing about running. That is or, funny though. Like honestly, dude. that's <laughs> he just googled my name. He's like, hey, look, it was, it was hilarious. And he and he wore he. It's in his rotation. Like I see him out doing yard work in a house of runs. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in. Keep the emails coming, please. Tracks getting exciting, guys. About three months of the Olympic trials, Olympics on the way as well hopefully hopefully things start to open up more people can start going to some more meets that'll be awfully exciting tell your friends 
Tell your coach about the House of One podcast. Download, listen, rate, subscribe, review, all that stuff. Jason, talk like next week, man. Jessica Ennis. Bears just signed Andy Dalton to a one-year deal. The great quarterbacks continue in Chicago.